What's up, guys? This is the Collier Shot Podcast. Big news, we are now on TikTok. I figured it out. I figured out how to cut a minute-long clip from the show and put it onto TikTok. Um, It's Collier Shot Pod. That's the handle. If you guys want to go follow that. You know, if you're listening, you know, it's going to be a lot of the same stuff that you're already hearing. However, you know, I might post some short clips if, you know, there's stuff that I don't feel like necessarily getting too deep into on the show. I'll probably put some stuff out there. Maybe, you know, do some funny stitches or something, make some funny videos. I don't know. We're going to try some stuff out there. But um, that's the big news. So if you want to go follow on TikTok, follow on Spotify as well. Um, if you like the show, give it five stars. If you don't, give it four. Um, anyway, so today what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Derek Carr's uh, college recruiting visit that he's going to be now doing. I guess that's how they're going to be conducting this whole scenario. We'll get into that. Um, I was looking into some stuff with target share today. It's a big stat that people like to use. I want to talk about how important it really is because I think I'm a, li- I'm a little skeptical I think it's important, but, you know, a little skeptical. And then after that, you know, talk about some – I listed five guys that I think that would gain the most from an upgrade at the quarterback position this offseason. So, you know, mainly it's the receivers and one tight end. Um, you probably know who the tight end is, but, you know, somebody it's a very uh, polarizing player. But, you know, that's the show we got today. Um, so let's get into it. Reported on today that Derek Carr is going to be visiting the New Orleans Saints organization sometime this week. I don't know what day it's going to be. You know, he's going to go there. The Raiders granted him the ability to go to New Orleans, check it out. I guess meet all the players, coaches, higher ups in the organization. And I just has this ever happened before? Like I know Peyton Manning had the big tour, like after he left Indy. But he was free agent. Like he, when he went to Denver and San Francisco and all them, and everybody was like tracking the planes and you know filming him walking in the facilities. And stuff, he was a free agent, also just completely different caliber player, obviously. But you know, just a team letting their starting quarterback just go out and look for, go out and meet different people and talk to different organizations is just frankly unheard of, and it's just the most Las Vegas Raiders thing that I've probably ever seen. Um, I think somebody said today that I saw on Twitter, I don't know if this was real. It's one of those news accounts that you can't really trust, but it was saying that they already have the trade package set up. I don't think he's going to be traded. The guy has a no trade clause. And unless he feels like he's going to get more money from his current deal than he would in the open market, with four, probably all four NFC South teams bidding on him, there's no way he's going to accept a trade to any team because the amount he will be getting a raise by just getting cut. He's going to get whatever the amount is from the Raiders plus the additional money that he's going to get for an extension from some other team, the Saints, the Panthers, whoever. You know, I just 
And again, even if like he does waive the no trade clause and does get traded, like if you're the Raiders, you're getting like a fifth round pick tops because these teams know it's like you have to get rid of this guy. You don't want him around. There, there's just no, you know, you're he's not going to be on your team this next year. So we might as well just wait it out. And if they do give up something, it's going to be of minimal value. It, it, honestly, it's it's this whole situation is very like NBA esque. It's giving off like the Anthony Davis, like Carmelo Anthony, Paul George vibes, where you have a star player. Well, Derek's case, you know, maybe a tier tier two below that. But these teams, they like he, they tell their teams like, I'm not coming back. It's a little different because the Raiders don't want him back. But these other teams, like if you're the Saints, you think that he's going to come to you no matter what. Why do you trade anything? You know, it's like when the Lakers were going after Anthony Davis and Paul George, they were, you know, probably 95% sure that if they just wait until the offseason, they were going to be able to sign him in free agency. But I can somewhat understand in that situation, you want to go get him because you never know what could happen. Paul George ended up, ended up re-signing with the Thunder. But if you're, you know, one of these NFC South teams, you just have to assume he's going to get cut. I think you all, like, there's, it's going to be some, like, game theory aspects where, you know, if you're, you know, one of these teams, because I'm sure he's going to visit other teams. I think this is just the first step in this whole process. So, if you know, there's going to be, like, the Carolinas, maybe the New York Jets. All these teams, you know, if they're thinking like, it's like we can go get him or we can wait and take our chances, I think it'll be interesting to see. Like, there could be a big war. I think he gets cut. I think that's the route that this goes, but we'll see. And then just from the New Orleans aspect, if, you know, is it the best fit? For them, it is. Yes. I think that any quarterback 16 and and above is absolutely a best fit. Like, they constructed their roster to win now. Last year, they traded their first-round pick this year to go get Chris Olave because they thought Chris Olave was the last piece in contending and getting to like an NFC championship. That was clearly a miscalculation just looking at how they played this year. It's just like, I don't know how you think that when you had a Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill combination as your quarterback room. So, I mean... Any Derek Carr is a massive upgrade from that group. Now, if you're Derek Carr, I would want to go to Carolina. That would be my choice if I was him. Frank Reich is probably, I don't even think it's really a question. He, I think he's the best coach in that division now that he's in Carolina. He's better than Todd Bowles. We saw what happened this year. As soon as Arians left, that team went down the drain. Tom Brady retired because he was just miserable. I mean, Dennis Allen, I mean, geez. And then we'll see about Arthur Smith. I actually don't hate Arthur Smith. He he gave the Ravens a very hard time when they played him this year. So I think we'll see about that. Um, I think the Panthers roster is closer than any of these other teams, really. You know, a lot of these other teams have, you know, glaring holes. And it's just like Panthers have a good defense. They have Evero, the D.C. from Denver, coming in to take over and be their D.C. He's sweet. You know, you saw Denver's defense this year. They were incredible. If, you know, if Russ could put up 19 points a game, they probably would have lost like two or three games. And then, like, you look at – they have, you know, a weapon. They have DJ Moore. And then, you know, if Derek comes and he comes in free agency after being cut instead of having to use picks on him, you can use that ninth pick instead of having to take quarterback. Go get a Peter Skaronsky, sure up the offensive line. Go get another weapon. You might have to trade back. I don't know 
what receivers would be taken at nine overall, but you can go back and do something after that. Maybe like a Jordan Addison, somebody that complements DJ Moore a little vertical. It's also a very deep tight end class. Um, I, I look at, you know, DJ and all these other guys, every single one has like one of three guys. It's like mayor Kincaid. And then there's another dude from I think Oregon state too. I'm blanking on his name, but that's another position, you know, you can use like a second round pick on upgrade there. Then all of a sudden you have a team you can, if Frank Wright and Derek Carr in this NFC South is currently constructed 10 wins, you're hosting a playoff game. So I don't know. I think this whole tour situation could get very interesting. I'd like to see if he goes other places. I think that would be very fun. It's, you know, just more things to talk about. Um, I think just overall, it, if you're the Raiders, how how incompetent are you? I mean, in today's NFL, to let a starting quarterback of Derek Carr's caliber, I'm not saying he's like some top eight guy, but I mean, he's like teams like Carolina and New Orleans. You know when New Orleans is asking, hey, can we just bring this guy in? Like they're asking to bring him in while he's still on your roster. It's like you, and you're not going to get, at best, you're going to get a, day late day two early day three pick i mean that's just insane i think that that's just gross malpractice on the part of the race so today i was just kind of like scrolling around and i saw something about target share and you know it's a very prominent stat in the fantasy football community and it makes sense because you know when you look at these wide receivers and tight ends and all these guys you want to know that they're getting the ball like how, like what percentage of the passes thrown are going to my guy. And it, you know, it makes sense, but you know, you typically think common knowledge is like, Oh, well the best players are going to get the ball the most. I decided cause I, you know, don't have anything better to do. I was going to look into it. So you look at the guys past like five seasons that have had over 20% target share. There were 24 players this year, 23 last year, only 11 in 2020, a little bit of a dip, then 2019, 23, 2018, 21. Now, you know, so that rounds out to about like two out of every three teams they have a guy. You know, there might be two on one team, but, you know, for the most part, you're in that low to mid-20s range. Now, if you look at just the wide receivers that finish in the top 10 for fantasy, for, I, I use PPR – from here on out, when I talk about rankings, I'm always doing PPR. If other people, if you guys want me to talk about something else, I will, but that's what I use, so that's just what I talk about. Anyway, so top 10 PPR, tar- like when you go at the rankings compared to their target share, how many of the top 10 were in the top 10 in target share? Last year, eight of the top 10 wide receivers were top 10 in target share. Then in 2021, there was five. 2020, there was five. 2019, there's five. And 2018, there's six. So what you're getting there, you see a spike this season. However, there's kind of this, you know, gray area of where it's not necessarily a direct indicator of, you know, success. Like, oh, well, this guy gets the ball the most, so he's going to be the best fantasy wide receiver. What you see a lot of times and what I saw is, a lot of times you're seeing these, you know, talented receivers just playing with terrible quarterbacks. So you got like in 2018, you had Corey Davis with like that was like the last full year of Mariota. 
then you know you also had that season you had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry that was Baker's first year so you get a little bit of Tyrod Taylor in there as well so not the best people throwing them the ball 2019 again you get those both Jarvis and OBJ top 10 in target share they were not really close to the top 10 in in actual points you know Baker throwing the ball we saw this whole saga play out where Baker, you know, Odell's dad's posting videos of all the balls that Baker throws, overthrows him on. You know, Baker goes to Carolina, kind of tanks DJ Moore as well. Then, you know, still in 2019, like Tyler Boyd, top 10 target share, Andy Dalton's quarterback. So he's not really producing as much as you'd like. 2020, you get like Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, both over 20%, top 10 target share guys. They had Sam Darnold. Didn't work out well for him. Then 2021 again. You get DJ Moore again. You get Darnell Mooney, top 10. He had Fields and Dalton, though. That offense was terrible. Um, and then you also had Pittman with Wentz. Michael, Carson Wentz wasn't terrible, but he also just wasn't great. We saw he lost to the Jaguars week 18 in a win-and-in playoff game. But So I guess the point I'm trying to make is when you look at this year's target share and you look at the guys that – you know, we're up there in the rankings. There was, you know, eight out of the 10 guys that were top 10 target share were top 10 wide receivers. The guy that was third was Drake London. And I think he's going to be kind of the, you know, Statner darling going into the next year because you look at it, it's like, oh, well, he had 28.2% of the targets. They're going to upgrade. You know, they had bad quarterback play. You know, there's going to be all these reasons why Drake London's going to be the, like, sleeper breakout kind of guy going to next year. I'm I'm going to be very hesitant on that. I think that you have to be very careful when these teams quote upgrade at quarterback. We've seen this with DJ Moore for years. They bring in, you know, Darnold, they bring in Baker. It's like all these different guys, all these different people they try to bring in and it's always the same story. High target share it, just because they're throwing these guys, the ball doesn't necessarily mean that it's getting to him. Doesn't mean that it's catchable. Doesn't mean that these guys, he's, they're throwing him open, doing anything like, you know, like you look at Atlanta, they threw the ball less than every other team this year. So it's like, even if, you know, Drake London's getting 28% of the targets, 28% of the targets on a team with that throws the ball 24 times, that's, you know, that's a quarter. So that's six. You look at, you know, teams, you got, you can get a guy like T Higgins who gets a little bit less than that. Burrow's going to throw 35 plus. So it's going to even out and he's on better offense. So he's going to score more. So I think there could be some positive regression for Drake London. I think that, you know, they, he didn't score a lot. He had one game over 20 points. So there's a chance that, you know, if they, you know, do improve the position, he could take a step, but unless they land like some big fish quarterback, like, God forbid Lamar Jackson, and they adjust their scheme, they run the ball less, they throw the ball more, I'm going to kind of take a step back and, you know, really kind of evaluate whether or not he's a guy that I'm going to be confident in next year. I think, on the other hand, you look at guys with lower target shares that had success, I think people are going to try to fade next year. It's really just any sort of ultra talented number two wide receiver. So your Jalen Waddles, your T Higgins, and we saw this with Mike Evans 
like throughout the years as well. Everybody would always it's him and Godwin. It's like, oh well, it's Mike Evans. You get people would always try to fade him, and you know, up until this year, it didn't really work out so well. So you know, I just think the big difference in the guys with a lot of these number twos that are high ranking players that score a lot of points, their offenses are good, and it goes vice versa. It's like if the offense is good, the number two wide receiver is going to be good. The number two wide receiver is really good. Probably going to have a good offense. So as long as like Joe Burrow's there, T. Higgins is always going to be a pretty safe pick. Same thing, you know. He was same thing with Tua. If they, we'll see what happens with all the concussions and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure he's going to come back and play. But they, you know, Tua's around or they have some sort of Tua equivalent. I feel the same way about Waddle because you know he's 17 and a half points game with Tua. It drops to 12 without him. Again, he's an elite player. Very fast. I Yeah, I saw it. 40 points against the Ravens. Um, so, you know, just I think these number two wide receivers, they might get a low target share in some of these offenses. But if the offense is good, they have opportunities to score. One of the things, they really stretch the field. That's kind of the thing that they do well. It kind of complements their other guy because, you know, Chase isn't necessarily like a short route guy. But, you know, Higgins can stretch the field. Waddle stretches the field. Just complementary pieces kind of. Like, I think one guy that could be another one of these low target share but high production guys next year is Jamison Williams. Because you look at him this year, he had like three touches. All of them went for 40-plus yards. Then you got look at the guy that he's playing with in Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, he's the slot guy. He's the guy that gets the higher target share. He was, you know, one of those top 10 guys this year. So I think target share can be important. You want the guys to get the ball. But, again, just because they're – Throwing it to him in high volume doesn't mean it's always getting there. You, I think you just have to be able to recognize quarterback play, have a conversation with yourself, say, do I trust the guy throwing him the football to actually get him the football? The theme of this episode has kind of just been the quarterback position, how it affects you know, the receivers around him, I guess you could say. A little bit of stretch, but is what it is. So one of the things I wanted to look at while well, and the last thing we talk about today is just kind of who can gain the most from an upgrade at the quarterback position. We saw it in 2021 when Matt Stafford shows up to the Rams, Cooper Cuff, Cooper Cup, historic season. Then you get guys like AJ Brown, Stefan Diggs as well. A little different. They were traded, but again, guys that, you know, were taken from their situation and they were put in a better situation with a better quarterback. And all of a sudden they're, you know, dynamic impact top eight level players every single year. So I want to look at some guys, wide receivers, tight ends who have the most to gain from an upgrade at the quarterback position. No particular order, just, you know, the order I thought of them when I was looking at this stuff today. So number one, pretty polarizing guy is Kyle Pitts. Um, Kyle Pitts has three touchdowns in his first two seasons. He had Mariota this year. Mariota was kind of abysmal. It was, he was like 31st in clean pocket accuracy rating, 30th in deep ball catchable pass rate. So basically just the ball was going deep. It was not, you know, anywhere near there, near his guy. Overall 27th in catchable pass rate, 48th in yards after the catch per target. That might just be a scheme thing. You never know. Just Arthur Smith not setting guys up to be able to 
catch and get extra stuff afterwards. But you look at Mariota, it was just not a good time for anybody catching the ball for him him to this year. Um, on the pit side, I'm not going to quit on him. He he was the fourth overall pick for the reason for a reason. I mean, you look at him; he had a thousand yards in his rookie season. He was the tight end five. He scored one touchdown. It was in London. It was actually that was one of the funniest running jokes was that Kyle Pitts can't score touchdowns in America, but you know he broke that this year. Obviously, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, common theme for this kind of thing. I think any sort of Jimmy G, Derek Carr level player would impact him so drastically. Like, I don't say this lightly when I say that, like, if you get any sort of upgrade at the quarterback position, anybody that can just put the ball on Kyle Pitts' chest, he's a top three level player at the position. Because right now it's like the tight end position is lacking. You get from Travis Kelsey, you get to Kittle, who gets banged up all the time and is a little boomer bust. You get Andrews, who, frankly, he had the tight end one season. Half of that was with Huntley. Then this year he didn't, or he had Huntley, and he didn't do the same stuff. Might be losing Lamar Jackson. We'll see what happens there. And then Hawkinson, who I think is good, but I don't think Hawkinson's going to ever compete with Kelsey. I think if we got... The peak of Kyle Pitts, I think it could com- not be better than Kelsey. I think from a fantasy perspective, it could compete. You wouldn't go into your matchup seeing Travis Kelsey on the other side and say, well, I'm screwed this week. So, I don't know. I think Pitts is a guy, if he gets, you know, again, Jimmy G, Derek Carr, some sort of player of that caliber, we could start to see the potential of, you know, why the Falcons drafted him so high, why a lot of other people, you know, in fantasy drafted him so high. Um, the next guy I had was Garrett Wilson. You look at the splits between when he had Zach Wilson and without this season, he was 17 points a game without the Milf Hunter, 9.3 with, which is just abysmal. I mean, that gap is just, that's an eight point gap. That's insane. I think this is the Rodgers team. I think this is the team Aaron Rodgers, once he comes out of his, dark cave for four days and, you know, really contemplates what he wants to do with the rest of his career. I think this is the team he ends up with even the kind of, kind of shell of himself that he was this year. I think that's still an upgrade from anybody they have currently in the quarterback room, even, you know, even Mike White, definitely Zach Wilson. So I think I'd like any of the other options also besides Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy scares me because he doesn't really push the ball downfield anymore. He's been banged up a lot. And especially an injury-prone player on the MetLife turf, I would be terrified. I would just be absolutely terrified. So that I have Garrett Wilson, new quarterback, bring somebody else in. I think that could be a step up for him. I think he could be a top-side guy next year if he gets. If we get a... 90% of the MVP Aaron Rodgers, I think he could be a top 10 guy next year. Um, I had Terry McLaurin. This is kind of just a every year sort of thing with him at this point. Um, he still finished top 15 this year somehow with Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, Sam Howell. It's, he should get an award. I don't know what the award would be called, but maybe we call it the Terry McLaurin Award where we just give it to a receiver every year who, you know, 
perseveres through incompetence at the quarterback position. Um, it sounds like they're going to roll with Sam Howell. I would, that's a little concerning to me having a, he's basically going to be a rookie next year. It's going to be his first full season as a starter. It could be better, but the volume kind of scares me just because the one game he played, he had six targets, three catches. When you have a young guy like that, they're probably going to try to pound the ball like they did against the Eagles when they beat the Eagles when they were still undefeated. Just handing it off Robinson, Gibson, Robinson, Gibson, just trying to kind of make things easier, make life easier on him. That's where I would be concerned. Again, you know, Derek Carr, Jimmy G, like these those kinds of guys I would feel a lot more comfortable with. I think, you know, another guy that like nobody doubts the talent, like, Terry McLaurin was the guy last year, like we talked about with like Ayuk and Higgins, where it's like every single team, their rebuild plans, like trade for Terry McLaurin. So that was, you know, I think he's a very talented player. I think getting somebody else in there with him would very much help. The fourth guy I had was Olave. You look at what he did with Jameis versus Dalton. It was very, things got weird in New Orleans when they just kind of said, Jameis, you're not playing anymore. I don't, I didn't really understand that. Um, Again, we talked about earlier the Derek Carr visit. Derek Carr knows how to feed his number one target. I'm not saying he's Devontae Adams, but I think if Olave with Derek Carr in a dome, I would be very comfortable week in and week out putting that gap, that in my lineup just because they're going to be able to push the ball downfield. When you look at, you know, James and Andy Dalton, there was nothing down the field. Like, they the Saints took that aspect out of Jameis's game. That was the the fun of Jameis. You just he is going to chuck the ball downfield, and he's going like I think if I mean if you had what was it twenty nineteen Jameis the thirty thirty Jameis you know in need of LASIK eye surgery Jameis with Chris Lave I'd be very comfortable with that too. If you could get, if you could promise that promise me that Jameis. I would be all in on Olave next year because I think God, that was the year Godwin was wide receiver too. That was Godwin's big season. So I think you bring in a guy like Carr, you can unlock the speed. I think that's something that they didn't really do a lot of this year. He was doing a lot of like short stuff, probably just because again, they don't, they can't push the ball downfield. It's an aspect of the offensive aspect of his game that I think can be improved on, or just, they can again, unlock that aspect of it. And then, the last guy I had, I have Michael Pittman. I, it wouldn't just be a QB upgrade. It would be a coach upgrade. I I, I just think they're going to hire Jeff Saturday. Like I saw somebody on Twitter today. They said that they think that the Colts are going to hire Jeff Saturday or at least announce the hiring just in the middle of the Super Bowl, just probably like during the halftime show or something like that, or maybe after like a big blown call. That would be a good time to do it because then nobody's really like, paying attention it's just like oh the league's rigged it's the script and then you know it's just like the one Schefter tweets like yeah by the way Jeff Saturday head coach um we talked about it a little earlier again with the target share Pittman was one of the higher guys and he is one of the guys with the bad quarterback so you know the, what we talked about earlier kind of applies where it's like we should be a little skeptical I'm not as much just because we saw it this year even with terrible quarterbacks, he still had 102 touches. Like, which you look at the guys that were right ahead of him in target share, like higher target shares were Chris Olave and Amari Cooper. Neither of them cracked 80. 
So we'll see what happens with them at the quarterback position. Probably going to be a rookie. I mean, I think that they're done with the cycling in and out, the old coaches thing. So we'll see what happens. I Pittman, I would say, is a dynasty buy, depending on the coaching. But if but if you're looking at like from a just a redraft standpoint this season, if Saturday's the coach, it's going to be a probably a hard pass just because he's, I just don't trust that guy to develop a quarterback, a rookie quarterback. Say what you want. The guy's a Hall of Famer. Payne Manning's a finished product. He's not, it's not like he was like developing these guys. It's like he doesn't have any experience in that field. He doesn't have any like coaching experience. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Those are my guys that I would like to see quarterback upgrades. I think they could very much thrive. I had Pitts. Garrett Wilson, Terry McLaurin, Chris Olave, Michael Pittman. That is the show. Uh, again, follow on Spotify. Five stars if you love it. Four stars if you don't. Um, we are now on TikTok, Call Your Shot Podcast. Um, you know, give that a follow. We're, as I'm recording this, LeBron James has 17 points, uh, so I think that puts him, what, like 20 points away from breaking the record. It's a close game, so I'm going to have to go watch it. By the time you guys hear this, you'll probably hear it. Um, you'll know if he broke it, so I'm excited. I hope he does. Um, so, yeah, you know, we'll have another episode out on Friday. Um, probably a forewarning. I probably won't have one out on uh think it's the wednesday of next week i think that'll be valentine's day gonna be hanging out with the lady so i'm not gonna have time to record and then um friday we'll do some super bowl stuff go over some things i like things i don't maybe some daily fantasy stuff people i like for that game um so yeah so thank you guys for listening i appreciate you all i love my fans Bye bye